Hey, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. Today we're starting a brand new series called Blessed Are Those, and we're going to take a look at Jesus's longest sermon recorded in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, but specifically we're going to look at the first 12 verses of chapter 5. They're called the Beatitudes, and they're really awesome, so we're excited to study these with you. All right, we're back. I'm so excited to start a new series this week. This is something that I have really pushed for because (laughs) I was praying about what God wanted me to study next. And I just, for some reason, even though we just did John, I was like, I want to do another gospel and I want it to be Matthew. So I was reading through, well, actually listening through, because you guys know that I'm very ADD. So I was listening on one of my walks. (laughs) I got to chapter five and they started talking about the Sermon on the Mount, which I don't know if you guys have heard of the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes before, (laughs) but it like really struck a chord with me. And I listened again and again and again over the next week or so and just realized I really want to stop and study this. So the Sermon on the Mount is great. It's like five through eight chapters, five through eight. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And we might, maybe, we're not going to make any promises, we might (laughs) end up doing a series on the whole Sermon on the Mount, hopefully, because yeah, it's so, it's so good. It is really good. um, One of Jesus's longest teachings and just got some really, really amazing stuff in there. But today and next week, and I think the week after, we're going to be focusing specifically on the first 12 verses, which is called the Beatitudes. I don't even know what Beatitudes means. Do you know what Oh, Beatitudes actually, means? I do know what it means. So as you know, the Bible was not written in English. And so a lot of these words are Greek and Latin and Aramaic and all the different languages. But so specifically the Latin word Beatus, Beatus, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Uh-huh. It means blessed or happy. And so I think they call it the Beatitudes because each of these verses starts with blessed are or blessed are. Mm. So yeah. Cool. Okay. We do um wanna start by praying just over our hearts as we're listening to this and that the word would be living and active in our lives today. So Anna, will you pray for us? I would love to. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the chance to dive into your word. Um, God, I just pray that you would reveal yourself to us through um, these next 12 verses and that we would just learn more about you, that we would continue to lean into who you are and everything you have for us. We just say we love you and we trust you and we give you this day. Amen. Amen. Yeah, the older I get, the more I recognize just how important it is to be in scripture and to especially Mm -hmm. absorb. I I really love, we've studied some of the old Testament and I love that too. But for me, especially absorbing everything that Jesus said is so important when it comes to knowing him. And so if you are a Christian, whether you've been a Christian your whole life or a new Christian, I think it's the most important thing that you can do. So um, this sermon is his longest recorded sermon. They think that it was actually longer than this, and this is just like the summarized version. But if it's like an extended period of time in the Bible of Jesus talking, then we should look at it. So the fact that Matthew is taking so much time 
to tell us about it is just really cool. Um, and if you look right before chapter five, uh, Jesus has just called his first disciples. So mm-hmm. I know sometimes the gospels aren't all totally chronological, but this would have been like kind of early on in his ministry, which is pretty, pretty neat. And um, one thing we know about Matthew is that he was the only educated disciple. So he was the only one that was trained in like reading and writing and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so his gospel is a little bit more detailed and longer. So yeah. I'm excited to dive in with y'all on the first 12 verses of chapter five, because they have always confused me. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, they're a little confusing for sure. They're just like, they're not actually confusing, I guess. They're just very poetic and I struggled to know what yes. they meant. Yep. So, and of course they give them a weird name like the Beatitudes and then you're like, I really don't know what that means. <laughs> also, if y'all ever have questions about something that we're reading or if as you're listening or you do your own study and you're like, hmm, but what about this? Please always feel free to DM us. Yeah. Um, Emily and I get to look through those and so some of the other team does as well who are so wise and they would have amazing answers for y'all or email us. Yep. So DM us on Instagram or send us an email. We'd love to chat with you about it. Yes, we definitely would, especially because I'm getting so obsessed with this stuff. So I'd love an excuse <laughs> to talk about it more. Emily is very, very excited about this series, <laughs> which is great. I love it. I know. I feel like I was originally like really excited about John and then like, as we talked about it, we both really bought in. But this one, I feel like you're really excited about it. So I'm excited to yeah. buy in as well. I'm excited because I like clarity. And mm-hmm. what I really love about this is that Jesus is talking about what it looks like specifically to be a Christian. And so, and like specifically what it looks like to become a Christian. So if you've ever yeah. had questions about like, am I doing enough or like, I want to follow God, but I don't know how, like Jesus makes it so clear. And this is the opening statement to his sermon, his longest sermon. Anna, will you read this? This is Matthew chapter five, verses one through 12. Yes. So it says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay. Is that not confusing? <laughs> very, it's very confusing. It's counterintuitive for yes. sure and countercultural for right. sure. And like you really have to read back over it to understand what he's saying. So in the first mm-hmm. 
In verse 2, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So this is really telling us what he's talking about. The kingdom of heaven. Yeah. We're going to focus on the first two today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So the first thing I want to do, let's talk about the bookends here. Blessed and kingdom of heaven. So we're looking at <laughs> verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the very first thing that he says out of his mouth for this sermon, which we know after reading the whole thing that this sermon is about basically redefining what it looks like to be in the kingdom of God. And so Mm -hmm. he's telling them exactly what it looks like, breaking it down for them. And this is the first thing he says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed, like we were talking about the word beatus, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can never say, uh, means happy, content, satisfied. And we've talked about that before. Like when you see the word blessed in the Bible, that's what it usually means. It's not as much what we think of today with the word blessed, like not financially blessed, not like casual, but it's like truly satisfied. And the kingdom of heaven, I feel like we don't have any kingdoms, And so like, we don't really know, like the kingdom of heaven, what does that even mean? Like, can you think of a way to make that make sense? Yeah, I feel like you're right. We don't live in a world where there's kingdoms and kings and queens and, and like, obviously, yes, there's like the British monarch, but in those days, like the, the Roman empire was huge and oppressive and these people who are hearing jesus teach would have had like a pretty yeah tangible example for what a being in a kingdom means yeah having to be under somebody's leadership and so i think for us the kingdom of heaven um one i think yes it's heaven like where we'll get to go one day that is feels like such a mystery and we don't really know a ton about but we know that one day we'll get to live in eternity with Jesus and all of our tears will be washed away. He tells us that throughout scripture, but Mm -hmm. thinking about the kingdom of heaven here on earth, I think that is like walking with Jesus and he's the leader, you know, he's the king. Every kingdom has a king and, and the kingdom of heaven and God's kingdom, he's the king. And so the king is the leader, you know? Yeah. And something that, I think about is like the Jews would have known what it's like to be under a bad leader yes, and to feel oppressed and to feel like they not only did they not matter, but they were in danger. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is also talking about what it looks like to be under a totally different type of kingdom Mm -hmm. than they think. Cause I think that, you know, the Jews were, expecting and waiting for a Messiah to come save them. And I think what they thought would happen is he would be like powerful enough to overthrow their oppressive leadership. They thought he would like come in on a big horse and just completely overthrow the Roman empire. Cause the Roman empire was awful. It was so oppressive to them. Right. And so to this, at this point too, like they've only seen 
an oppressive kingdom, an oppressive leader. Right. So not in, no, here, hear so, this right. Not impressive, oppressive, <laughs> like somebody oppressive. who is, yeah. um, yeah, take his, has taken away so many of their rights and yeah. is completely in control of their lives. And so, yes, this passage is flipping that on its head. It's flipping what a kingdom that they would think looks like. Yeah, they're gathering around, like literally waiting because they're thinking, you know, he could be it. Yeah. And they're gathering around waiting for him to say something. I'm sure and they're he thinking says, he's going to be like, blessed are the strong of heart for they will right. overthrow the empire, you know? But instead right. he's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I'm sure just like us now thinking, wait, what does that mean? They're probably thinking the same thing. Wait, what does that mean? Yeah. And blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Yeah. And we'll get to that second one in a minute, but I always, always, always love the picture of God comforting us because that's also the opposite of what you think about a king. Yeah. Like he doesn't have the time to comfort. So I think that the main thing that Jesus is saying here and the thing that we should be listening for for this whole sermon is what does it look like to walk with God as your king? Mm -hmm. Like what does it look like to enter into the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and how is it different from just living life on earth? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like living with yourself as your own leader or with whoever you're following. And so I think that it's really important to note that under leadership, under new leadership, you would probably have a change of rules. You'd probably have a change of goals. You'd probably have a change of lifestyle. You know, like who knows what's going to change when you have a change of leadership. And what Jesus is saying is like, God is a good king. Mm -hmm. And like under his leadership, you will grow into this kind of person. But here's what it looks like. And it's not what you expect. And the very first thing he says is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, this one has always tripped me up because I've never, ever <laughs> used that phrase. Poor in spirit. <laughs> poor in spirit. Yeah, like, true. what? I could not figure out what that meant. And you guys know that Anna and I have been, like, fangirling over Tim Keller this whole summer. Yes, we love him. And, well, actually, longer than that. But one thing that he does that has taught me a little bit better how to study the Bible is he'll like stop on something like that and he'll say, okay, so what's poor? Hmm. Well, it's, it's needy. It's impoverished. It's, it's like being desperate and what's in spirit. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, spiritually poor. So like not having what you need spiritually to meet your own needs. So, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, that thing that we're searching for, you know, like our meaning in life, we don't have it in us yeah. to fulfill that. And so we try as we might, it's always going to fall short. Yeah. And just recognizing that we don't have what we need spiritually because of sin is the very first step to entering into the kingdom of heaven. And I think recognizing too, like... Our world often tell like so thinking about poor. Obviously, poor is the opposite of wealthy, and I feel like our world tells us 
to try and be wealthy and to like fill our lives. Yeah. And as you were talking about poor in spirit and almost like, yeah, spiritual emptiness that can only be fulfilled by God. There's this clip. I think it's of Tom Brady. I don't know. I'm not a football person, some famous football player. (laughs) And it's like after he's won his whatever Super Bowl, like X amount of Super Bowls and the interviewer is asking him like so do you feel like you have it all like is is this it is this what you've been like working towards and he's like yeah it's what I've been Mm -hmm. working towards but you know what it still feels like something's missing and um yeah that has I, I think they played that at like a young life club talk or something one time but I think it's so true like we see people once they've like made it quote unquote you know like these people in Hollywood who have a ton of money and can like get on private jets or whatever but no matter what like no matter what you try and fill your life with worldly things your spirit might still be poor. Even if like physically you're not poor, your spirit can be poor because ultimately the only thing that actually provides for our spirit is God. Yep. And one thing that Tim Keller said that really stuck with me because of this imagery is that basically... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is, like, the door. Hmm. So you have to, like, like, it's cool to acknowledge it, but you actually have to walk through the door in order to experience all the stuff that Jesus has for Hmm. us. Like, as you go down this list, it builds on itself. And he's like, it's cool to camp outside the door and be like, yeah, yeah, I'm a, like, I want to be in the kingdom of God. But what it looks like to actually walk with him is to walk through the store. And what that looks like when it comes to being like acknowledging your poorness of spirit is it goes down the list mourning. And I know that sounds weird, but I'll tell a little tiny story. I was, like I said earlier, walking and listening to the audio of Matthew. So. I was thinking to myself, look how spiritual (laughs) this, you are just like on a walk, uh, and you're listening to the Bible. And as I'm listening through the sermon on the Mount, so I get to chapter five and I'm listening through it and you'll see as you get through the rest of the sermon, like he is expressing a moral standard Mm -hmm. that is impossible. It's extremely, extremely, um, high value moral standards. And I found myself thinking like, I will never be good enough. Yeah. Like I feel so overwhelmed. There's so much to do. Yes. Yes. There's three full chapters of this is what you have to do. And he says a couple different times, like your righteousness would have to exceed the Pharisees and the scribes, which we know after talking about them and studying them, like how much they did. Mm -hmm their entire life was studying the law and implementing it. And then at another point he says, um, your righteousness would have to exceed my father or match my father in heaven in order for you to enter into the kingdom of God. And it's like, I'm letting all that sit with me. And I'm thinking like, Oh, I'm overwhelmed. Like I'm on my walk just thinking like, okay, I turned this on because I wanted to be inspired and like feel close to God today, 
but I'm walking away feeling like there's three full chapters of orders being barked at me that I don't think I can ever accomplish is making me feel bad about myself. And I don't like feeling bad about myself or like I'm incapable of doing what I need to do to be with God or to impress God. And that is exactly the opposite of recognizing that you're poor in spirit. And let me see if I can try to make that make sense. But like, my pride, which we all have because we're all human, this is like the very core of being human, and this is exactly why he started with this, poor in spirit. Our pride tells us, I love God when he blesses what I want him to bless, and I think that I can like take my little actions and be a really good person and like impress God, and then he'll give me his stamp of approval and yay, it'll be like a happy world. And what Jesus is saying is actually there's no amount of things that you could ever do that would match the righteousness of God. You have no concept of how righteous he is and how good he is. So there's literally nothing that you can do to actually reach that level. And that feels depressing. Yeah, And so that's, that's that morning. So I know this is weird, but like recognizing that you're poor in spirit and you don't have what you need to truly recognize that there comes a period of mourning where you literally are bummed slash sad that you can't be enough. And this is very deep, but deep down, we really do all want to be enough to impress God and to like do well in our lives and to basically be in control of our lives in a successful way. Like it's just built into who we are as humans. And Jesus is saying essentially to enter into the kingdom of God, you're going to have to defy your very nature. (laughs) Like you're going to have to say, actually, I don't have what I need spiritually to be fulfilled. And only God can do that for me. And it's going to produce you know, this next list of things we're going to go on next week. But I think it took like two weeks of me being angry and like revisiting this passage to realize, oh, like that's what it means to be poor in spirit. And that's what it means to mourn. Mm -hmm. I can't be enough. And I do want to say that if you read the Beatitudes very literally, I think they also make sense. Like, so basically, so those who mourn, like you've, you've lost someone or you've lost something, they shall be comforted. Like, I think that that is very true still yeah. in the kingdom of God. But I think the deeper meaning here is that you're mourning that loss of your ability to be your own God. Hmm. That's interesting. I've never thought about that. Yeah. And we don't really think, I don't think that almost anyone thinks I want to be my own God. But if you really think about what a God is it's something that you follow or someone that you follow and if you want to make all your own plans and if you want to like be good enough to get yourself where you need to go essentially you want to be in control of your own life you want to be your own god so to make god like the only one true god our god we have to give him control of our life well, does that yeah, make sense and that also just maybe this is getting too Deep, but that's sin. Like, going back to 
Adam and Eve in the garden. And ultimately what happened was they were tempted to become like God. Like the serpent says that to them, like, no, he doesn't want you to eat this fruit because if you do, then you'll be like, your eyes will be open and you'll become like God. So like literally from the beginning, we have wanted to be our own gods. And you're right. Like Jesus is reminding us like, no, you you can't be, you, you're not going to be, and you have to fight that urge and like allow God to be in his rightful place. I really do think it's a daily thing. Yeah, definitely. Like I've, I've thought about it so much more. It's not just like one time when you become a Christian, you recognize that you need God. It's like every day as your human nature comes out and you're like your desire for control and your yeah, like me on my walk the other day thinking like, dang it, this sermon is <laughs> never basically telling it. me I can't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm overwhelmed. This is too much, God. Like I have other things to do besides just all of these things. And it's like, oh, that is my sinful nature yeah. coming out and being at odds with God. So yeah, it makes me think of this conversation that Jesus has with a rich young man. It happens later in Matthew, Matthew 19, 16. So I'm going to read this little part really fast. This is the young man coming to Jesus, asking him, what does it look like to be in the kingdom of God? And behold, a young man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments, he said. Which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all those I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions And Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. And I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. So when the disciples heard this, they said, Who can be saved? They were greatly astonished. But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Hmm. So the main thing I want to point out is that like we're all rich, <laughs> you know, yeah. like we all have lots of things, whether it's blessings in our lives or like financial blessings in, in comparison, we are just so rich. Yeah. And so I think what Jesus is saying here is not just like, if you are the richest of the richest, it's hard for you. I think what he's saying is if you're comfortable mm. and if you like what you have. And if you feel like you have something to offer, it's going to be hard for you to enter into the kingdom of God. Yeah. Because because you can't rely on him. Right. Yeah. Because you like what you have and you're too comfortable. So you won't leave your ways and follow him. And so I think that's exactly why he describes it like the poor in spirit, because it is the opposite of, of having what you need and the opposite of feeling comfortable with what you already have and like therefore no need to beg you know and and so I think that's what I want to think about this week with y'all like and I'd invite you to think about this with us is 
what does it look like to acknowledge like our own poorness in spirit? Like, what does it look like to acknowledge that we don't have what we need? Mm-hmm. Are there like moments throughout your day or throughout your week where you're like recognizing your desire to, to control it all and like have the answers and, and do exactly what you want to do before you're willing to listen to God? Yeah. I don't think you have to do anything with that other than just like confess that to him, like in your own prayer life, like God today, I, I realized that like, I'm desperate to control my own life and I really would do anything to have like an easy path. And like, would you just be near to me? Like it says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Like, will you comfort me today in this realization? Yeah. And, and like, would he open our eyes to the fact that being poor in spirit is not lacking because he will always provide, Right, he will always provide what we need. And trusting that, you know, even when that's really hard to do. Yeah. It's so hard to do. And it is humbling. Like I think it's, you know, this week is, is heavy. It gets so much better from here, but I do think it's important to pause here because it takes some time to fully let it sink in that like to really follow God, you have to, like it says some other places, like deny yourself and take up your cross. There's lots of different wording for it, but essentially it's like you have to believe that you need God Mm -hmm. and recognize that you need God in order to like even really follow him. Otherwise it's just sort of like surface level things. And so to me, this was like so convicting because even after walking with God for like most of my life, I still feel like there's like every single day, there's new things to give back to him. And like, I really believe that we're not going to be perfect at this, but Jesus just wants us to like admit our need for him and like acknowledge our need for him. And that is what it takes for ours to be the kingdom of heaven. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. That's step one. This is now my third or fourth week, I guess, like reading back over these and thinking about them and praying about them. And I really think that, if you'll allow yourself to kind of sit in the slightly uncomfortable idea that like, this is heavy, this is deep, but if you'll allow yourself to sit here and to really engage with this with God, I think that you will start to really, really hear from him in this process because I know that I have, and it's been like more encouraging and freeing than discouraging and like a burden. I agree. We hope that this will leave you feeling like not reading through this feeling pressure, but reading through it feeling like, I don't know, lightened. Yep. I think it'd be awesome to close with, this is the verse that keeps popping in my mind as I'm reading this because the burden to be good enough in your own life and to like accomplish enough to be impressive or to whatever, to be your own God, it's heavy. There's pressure to look a certain way. There's pressure to impress or do a certain amount in school or in your career or even within your friendships or to be involved and volunteer. There's like lots of different things that you can do to sort of build your resume, make sure that you are the kind of person that everybody wants you to be or that you want to be. And that burden is heavy. Like we'll never be enough. Like the Tom Brady thing is just 
the absolute perfect picture of this because everyone knows, like, I'm not really a football person either, but my husband is a huge football person. So everyone knows Tom Brady's the goat, which I mean, he is, he's so great. He's, he's incredibly regimented. Like if you've, I don't know, there was like a documentary on him and his lifestyle and he's just like his processes are so intense and his diet is so intense and his training is so intense and it produced amazing results. But even after a certain number of Super Bowls and a certain number of accomplishments, he's still like, I still feel empty. And I love this Matthew 11 verses 28 to 30. Um, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A yoke is, if you picture like farm animals pulling a wagon or pulling like a plow, they would wear like a brace or like a harness over their neck and pull the plow through the field. So like naturally a yoke wouldn't be easy or light it would be really hard and like really burdensome and but Jesus is saying if you take on like my yoke and learn from me then you have just a totally different burden on your life like it's not the same it's easy and light I love 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 the picture of Jesus offering his ways to us and saying my burden is light We really do just pray that this would be an encouraging time and that you would be able to dive into scripture with us for a little bit. um, And hopefully it just piques even more of your curiosity of like, well, what does that mean? What does this mean? You know, like that's the whole point of studying scriptures. We're never going to know it all. There's always more to learn, which is a beautiful thing. And now you can say you know what the Beatitudes are. <laughs> yes, you know what a Beatitude is, which is amazing. Look at you, little scholar. Yeah. Um, but we are just so excited. Next week we'll be diving into the next three. Blessed are the XYZ. Yep. Um, and... Yeah, I think that's all for today. We have some exciting announcements about upcoming worship nights. Emily, you want to touch on those? Yeah, so this week on Tuesday and Wednesday, so it's October 3rd and 4th, we have our first ever worship night at Auburn. We're so excited. And on Wednesday, we have Bama. So we're excited to see y'all there. Just literally can't wait. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Bye. See ya.